Hello and welcome, this is ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity, episode 130. My name is Russ Shaw, the website is ASI247.org, my email, Facebook, Twitter, contact information is on the website. Put your seatbelt on, you ready? As always, the music can be downloaded at ASI247.org. Click on the music tab and the iTunes Amazon links are right there. I've got to run away. I've got to get away from the pain you drive in the heart of me. Yes, this is episode 130, and again with the intro, two major themes that I wanted to get across with putting together that little medley there. Number one is this attitude of getting help, which is a good thing. It's good to want to get help. It's good to say, hey, there's something going on here. I need help. Very, very good thing. Another one is this attitude of, I gotta get away. Man, I've got to get away from this pain that's in my heart. I've got to run away as fast as I can. Um, tainted love, right? Two major themes that I want to talk about uh, doing this series of shows called Truth Be Told. The plan is to address some more email today, go over some of John Frame's notes from the class I listened to on pastoral and social ethics and the Ten Commandments as they uh, relate to ethics and sociology or social psychology, whichever, you know, you say potato, I say potato, um, tainted love, I need a doctor, I need to be sedated, what are we, where are we going, what do we do, right? What is this all about? So 
Truth be told, for the thinking mind, um, you have to do something with this man, Jesus Christ. And it, especially on the topic of truth, um, you've heard this quote before, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know, that gets quoted a lot. The truth will set you free, man. That is actually a quote from Jesus who is talking about, here's the context of that quote. He's actually talking to religious people. He's talking to the religious Jews. He's talking to a group of people, but as he spoke, many believed him, and some of those were people who were very set in their ways. You know what I'm talking about? They've got, like, they think they got things figured out. They think they got this uh, Yahweh, right? They got uh, Jehovah. They got, they got them figured out. Emmanuel, these are different names that God has. They're not different gods, by the way. I heard, you know, some of the things that college professors come up with, I heard these statistics that, you know, a lot of youth group kids go to college and like 70% of them lose their faith. And I believe that the reason for that is that what they teach a lot in a lot of youth groups and stuff is this kind of gushy, you know, feel-good, bubblegum Christianity that doesn't have a lot of depth to it. It's just kind of superficial and trite. So when their faith is challenged by someone who seemingly knows more, like a college prof or, or whatever, um, they tend to cave. I mean, here's the deal. These three words, these three names for God are different names in different contexts. Like, my kids call me Dad, right? When they were littler, they called me Daddy. Um, my neighbors, you know, some of the kids in the neighborhood called me Mr. Shaw, Right, um, my friends call me Russ. Uh, my email address is right Russ uh, at you know different names for for God, different ways of approaching God. That this the same God, all right, just different names. So I'll clear up that one right right out of the gate here. So there's a lot of people that can have a lot of head smarts, and you know I'm not just talking about college professors. I'm talking about religious people as well, and Jesus is speaking to them when he says that. The truth, you will know the truth. You listen to me. If you become my disciples, he says, you will know the truth, and that truth will set you free. And that's one of the very interesting things about sexual ethics and sexual integrity, sexual addiction issues. Again, here in the States, sexual addiction is in the news. Um, this man, Anthony Weiner, he's a big uh, congressman in New York, uh, exposed on Twitter, right? He sends a picture to a, what he thinks it, big Twitter fail, right? This guy thinks he's sending a picture to some college student here in the Seattle area in his, in his underwear, and he, he tweets it, and actually he tweets it to everybody. Right, everybody who's following this man gets a picture of him in his underwear. So then he says he gets hacked. Right, a lot of us do addicts who are exposed. You know, the sexual addiction thing. All right, it wasn't me. I got hacked. And then you know, more people are coming forward. And um, the news today is that he is going to resign. Didn't want to resign. You know, I'm going to hold on to my job. It was just a bump in the road. No, it's it's a pretty major thing. And that's one of my biggest passions for doing this is it seems like this little thing. It seems like this little issue that you have because it's in the dark and that a lot of people don't know about it. Once it gets exposed, man, it is like a huge bomb going off. 
Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger in California. He's a big actor. A lot of us have seen his movies. He became the governor of California. Um, he's no longer governor now, but you know, I mean, he's exposed that he had a kid with his uh, house cleaning lady. And then there's now there's more people coming forward, and these men, very smart men, very educated men. Um, set in their ways, right? Think they got things, think they got a pretty good bead on things. Think they got a pretty good idea on how things are. But in the background, in the dark, dealing with this sexual addiction, sexual ethic fail. And there's a lot of people, I hear these talk shows and, oh yeah, addiction, whatever, you know, and he's going to go get treatment. Yeah, it's addiction. But I'm going to agree with a lot of them that some of what is promulgated as recovery from sexual addiction really is, again, trite and shallow. Um, I'm going to go, we're going to send you off to some rehab center and are going to rehabilitate you. Uh, how long do these things work? Um, if you have money, you know, you can look up and I'm going to pay a bunch of money and the more expensive it is, the better it's got to work, right? Not necessarily. The things I'm going to talk about on this show are going to challenge um, what it means to get help, what it means to actually have a heart change. Behavior change comes from a heart change, all right? Um, there's a lot of different approaches to getting help. The approach that I like to talk about in this show, and I do encourage you to go get help, man. Get a counselor. This is just supplement to a lot of that, but really understanding the themes of what is in your heart. What, what is your want to? How do you define freedom? Are you looking for relief? Are you looking for a quick fix pill or are you looking for real long-term freedom from this oppressive thing that lives in you? That's my question to you. Because I love you, because I care about you, because I, I do this thing, because I, I care, man, I do. Um, we've got some more emails on medication. I wanted to talk about a little bit about that, again, from my story. Um, like I said, I I felt high, right? Like I, yeah, the the pills got in me. They did change some things. I did feel more focused, but I did. I also felt high, like I was high on something, right? The vampire in me likes that feeling more than I would like, so I had to put an end to that. Um, again, the last show, if you go back and download that, I'm talking about medication. I'm talking about some really great information from Yale University on a person who is an expert in that level two area of medication and psychopharmacology, psychotherapy, um, clinical psychology. So, you know, go back and listen to that show. A lot of what, you know, is shown on TV for us Americans I mean, do you ever feel blue? You know, do you ever feel like you're agitated? Do you ever feel? Everyone feels like that from time to time. Okay, you if you look hard enough, anyone can go get medication, even if you're not. You don't need it. And what the the doctors Susan Nolan Huxma said in the last episode is that most people 
don't need it. Most people, you know, most people need more challenging their truth claims, you know, learning new coping skills than they need medication. Medication has really bad side effects. Um, this guy I listened to at uh, Reform Theological Seminary, and these, these lectures I listened to in pastoral counseling, a lot of pastoral counseling is either one person or a spouse of a person who is dealing with the side effects of some of these drugs, right? Like, that's why they're going to the counselor because of some of the side effects from the psychotropic drugs that their doctors are giving them. Not everybody needs to be on medication, all right? Some people do. All right, you, you may be in that range that needs the medication, and if so, then get the medication. But again, be discerning and find a good doctor, not just one who's looking to sell you something. Here in the United States, man, we are a money-driven society. We are a sales and numbers and profits-driven culture, and that should weigh on your decision when it comes to getting help in some of these issues, in some of these areas. And even if you do get help from a doctor, I also am going to challenge your heart. Again, not with religion, but um, with the things that Jesus said. Right? Jesus was murdered by the religious people. All right? I bring that up over and over again. The villains in like the book of Luke, going through that book in our church right now, are more often than not the religious people over and over again Jesus is having to deal with the the set in their ways we know God religious people and they overlook the fact that Jesus is God in human flesh and, and, and again he says that over and over again that's why they murdered him all right all these who are these people that say oh Jesus never said he was God that's why they killed him all right Sorry, I get, I get worked up over this stuff, but it's true. I like what Bono of U2 said, you know, he's interviewed by this guy, and, you know, this guy's like, oh, well, so Jesus is the only way, and, you know, Jesus is God, and, and Bono's like, yeah, I just don't think that a crazy person, if he's not God, then he's some crazy person, and I don't think a crazy person can have that much impact on human history. I thought that was a brilliant statement. That and the fact that he came back from the dead after three days, after having a spear shoved up under his rib, rib cage, crucified on a cross, these are this is true. This is historical fact. But a lot of you are going to get your information from just one side of the aisle. And that one side of the aisle, the Jesus Papers people or the Da Vinci Code, Dan Browns of the world, are, are limiting information that they present. Like, they're not giving you all the facts. They're just showing you a biased side. And I know, you'll say that, well, Russ, you have a biased side too. Yeah, I do now because of what I've learned. When I started investigating this stuff, I was more biased the other way. But I was also not going to be naive enough just to listen to people and try and gather attitudes from people that I want to agree with. Because I want to agree with those guys, to be honest with you. I have a lot of wounds in me from my upbringing in the church. I've heard people say, oh, well, you're just a Christian because you grew up as a Christian. Yeah, and I investigated other religions and other faiths, and I came back to it, even though I'm probably the most 
reluctant person to ever come back to being a Christian that you'll meet, right? I love God and the fact that Jesus comes in to save sinners because we, we're hopeless to save ourselves. This is just true. And whether it's the, the Jesus Papers people or the religious people of the time when Jesus lived, it's like they ignore the facts. They ignore the fact that he's healing people, raising people from the dead. Um, again, there is a massive amount of data on this information. I mean, there's way more data on this stuff, stuff that Jesus said, stuff that went on during the first century, than there is on things that Aristotle and Plato said. All right? Way more data. Ancient, historical, written-down information. I mean, some of the stuff on Plato is, you know, 1,500 years removed from when he actually said it. Stuff like that. There's scriptures that can be traced right down to the time within 30 years of when Jesus lived. These guys wrote stuff down. These guys memorized a lot of stuff. Um, that was part of their culture. It was, I mean, it, for us to have like an iPad or a, a powerful computer, it was like for these guys to have a pen and paper. It was very difficult to come by. Um, you know, these big scrolls and these guys who knew how to read and write. A lot of these guys, these religious guys, knew, memorized whole books of the Bible. Right? I mean, these are the Bible college guys. And over and over again, their attitude, what they're flowing out of is, how do we catch this guy, Jesus? How can we catch him? How can we mess him up? How can we um, keep our power in what we believe and not, you know, submit ourselves or lower our curtain as to what Jesus is actually talking about? So again, I go back to that John 8, you know, 30, around verse 30. The truth will set you free. Many believed him. Many started to lean in. Many started to listen. And Jesus says, listen, become my disciple. The truth, the truth, the actual truth will set you free. But we are so set in our ways. We have such a hard time letting go and, and living in the truth. I had a listener that wrote in, um, confessed to his wife. Right, living in the truth now. Please pray for him. We'll call him Mr. M. Um, you know, his marriage, his wife is hurt. They're getting help, but there's the ripple effect, and the the bomb blast has gone off, and now he's living in the light of truth. At some a place I know far too well. I lived in this web of lies for years and years. Living in the truth is very different. And it will set you free. It's not going to be pretty. It's not always going to be a puppy dogs and ice cream every day. The truth will set you free is not something that, you know, some self-help guru throws out there and you just, wow, yay, the truth will set me free and I run out of this victory life. Um, living in that truth is going to be painful for a season. But again, for those of you who are struggling with that, it is way better to confess it than to be like uh, Anthony Weiner, who's in the news right now here in the United States, exposed 
busted trying to cover his lies, uh, you know, eventually the truth comes out, right? You can only hold a basketball underwater for so long. Your heart feels the weight of that, whether you justify it or not. So in the realm of getting help, looking at how we define love, um, John Frame said that the Bible is going to go after motivations and virtues, and Jesus is going to be more concerned with what's going on inside of us rather than what's going on on the surface. I believe this is why he has so much compassion for you know, prostitutes and, and the tax collectors. Tax collectors were real scumbags in that time, all right? I mean, we don't really have anything like the tax collector of the first century. These guys raised money for a murderous regime, right? I mean, some of the people that there are, thug, you know, kind of like the mob getting money out of were the very people who this regime has, has killed or raped their, their family member. I mean, it's horrible what these people were doing as tax collectors. They betrayed their own, a lot of them were these Jews who betrayed their own people to raise money for the Romans. So, you, you know, when you want to talk about ethical failure, right? And these guys knew it. But they were also the guys that leaned in to hear what Jesus was saying. When they heard him speak, man, they're like intently, wow, okay, you know, I need, I need, I'd like to talk to this guy. I mean, you could see that just when Jesus is speaking to these people, um, the the crowd would be this, you know, if it was today, it'd be Seattle, you know, the guys with the tattoos and the piercings and, you know, the folks who, uh, some of the folks who you would think looked shiny on the outside, you know, kind of leaning in and going, wow, Jesus, God really loves people like me, you know. Jesus talking about the lost coin and lost sheep and, and these guys are listening. And the religious people go, oh, you know, he's, look at him. Why does your teacher talk to Pharisees and tax collectors? I mean, that was their attitude. You hear these Westboro Baptist people who are in the news. These guys not, right, call themselves Christians, but they hold these, you know, they go to soldiers' funerals and hold up picket signs that God hates gays. They go to gay pride parades and hold up signs that God hates gay people or God hates homosexuals. And I just imagine, you know, it's kind of like if it was modern day thing, all these guys would be gathering in their van, right? All these Westboro Baptist people getting in their van with all their picket signs and stuff. And they're at the gay pride parade and they, they stop and they pull up and there's Jesus and he's like talking to the, the gay people, right? And they're listening to, to what Jesus has to say. And they're like, why is Jesus talking to those people? God hates fags. No, no, he doesn't. All right. God loves us. God's after a heart. God loves in that, that precious inside heart person that we all have, the, the child inside of us, the part of us that wants that kind of freedom. I heard a guy say, well, I don't really believe in recovery because what, what kind of recovery can you actually get in this world? I think we're trying to recover back to being that childlike faith that we can just crawl up in daddy's lap and everything's going to be cool and everything's going to be fine and i think that a lot of us in our in a yearning needing part of us that we want to have that kind of faith and god is there and he says yeah man come to me crawl up in my lap i love you
I'm after your heart. The stuff on the outside will get fixed and cleaned up as your heart changes. Pastor Mark said that faith is an internal conviction that results in an external change of behavior. Jesus looked at the religious people. This is Matthew 23, starting in verse 25. He says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside is full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and the outside will also be clean. I know I've talked about that many times, but I, again, these reminders bringing you back up to speed. If you've heard this stuff before, if you haven't, this is in the Bible. It's, it's Matthew 23. The, if you want to read that, man, you want to talk about a full-on rant against religion. And I've got emails from some of you guys, you know, this, this understanding religion as a self-righteous, self-indulgent, narcissistic morality this kind of religion in the Bible is sin, and that's like a paradigm shift for a lot of you. But it's true. The grossest of heart-level sin is these Westboro Baptist people. Biblically, okay? I ended the last show with Johnny Cash's song, you know, bumper from that song about San Quentin, um, the prisons that we create. John Frame, some of the notes that I got from his lecture on the Ninth Commandment, um, he talks about lying as the sliding into a unregenerate heart. The foundations of this prison we built are built on lies. Again, Pastor Mark Driscoll, right? Mars Hill in Seattle, he says, um, a lie doesn't have to be true to have an impact. It simply has to be believed. And again, you know, going back to the last show, medication is not going to set you free long term. There's evidence of that. There's scientific evidence of it. You're going to have to go to some of those scary places and talk about some of the things that may have wounded your heart, may have you reacting and believing lies, may have you biting down on the bait that the enemy dangles in front of you preached and promulgated over and over and then we believe it and we take the bait of that lie and we don't see the hook and the hook is what drags us into some of these horrible situations and for guys like Anthony Weiner right I mean he took the bait and he didn't see the hook and where it has led him today a lot of us that's our story I was talking to a guy recently who um has some a good amount of sobriety under his belt, we'll call it, right? He's put his date down. It's like that putting that stake in the ground. I'm repenting. I'm taking this time. This is the date that I chose. I'm done today. And he, you know, actually with no system failures, has conned some a good amount of time with some freedom under his belt. And this man sharing with me some of the stuff he's going through. And, and here's the deal, you know, I'm not as counselor or anything, I'm a friend, but what I love about this man is that he will talk about that stuff. He'll talk about that heart stuff. And he'll share with me some of the issues and pains that he has in dealing with other people. And some of these attitudes that we have towards others, right? St. Augustine talking about the, the 
the birth, the, the sin giving birth to all the other sins crawling around under the surface, right? That's my queen ant analogy. All these queen ants under the floorboards giving birth to the behaviors that you see. A lot of these have to do with the lies we believe about others. Like John Frame said, he said that they, we get lies lodged in our heart. The book of Galatians talks about, you know, again, John Frame talking about accusing others and having this critical view of others, this attribution error, again, in social psychology, this, like Jesus said, the plank and speckism, you know, we need self-examination when we are dealing with other people. I have another listener talking about challenges in being in community. He became a member of a church and now, you know, having to learn to do life with others is difficult. It's difficult because we're all sinful, broken human beings. I love what St. Augustine said, you know. Again, he said, uh, if God is your father, the church is like your mother, right? She's there to nurture. She's there to, you know. But he says that she's also a whore. <laughs> you know, she, she tends to leave you know your father and, and be uh, get into other things and we, so doing relationship with other people especially when it ta you know comes to heart issues is difficult and something i was trying to bring to mind of this this listener dealing with his queen aunt stuff right is that the attribution error is you know, we tend to look at ourselves and we see our situation, right? This is attribution error in social psychology, sociology. Um, if we do poorly on a test, we say, well, I didn't get enough sleep last night. I had some bad pizza. Um, we tend to see our situation. When we judge others, we tend to just see them. That person's just stupid or that person's just an idiot or that's just how Bob is, right? not really taking into account that there may be a situation going on behind Bob's eyes that relate, that, that explain some of Bob's behavior. The divine attribution is that Jesus knows us. He knows our heart and soul. We're not lying to God because he sees everything. And he still loves us. And he's still pursuing us. And the grace that he's given us, he's given our brothers and sisters. So, you know, do not bear false witness has a lot to do with examining our own hearts. So, truth be told, the main issue here is that the sobriety, bringing this back to the beginning of the show and the intro music, getting help, I need a doctor, I need some help, realizing that there's more layers to this, that we get to find freedom, that we get to live in the light of truth that we get to do relationship with other people even if they've hurt us even that you know you confess something with this for like this for example people will hurt you people who you love who are close to you maybe your spouse will hurt you that's one of the you know funny criticisms from eastern philosophies and you know some of these nordic religions uh, about Christianity, well, that's just weak, that, that God would die on a cross. It's weakness. No, it's not. It's doing life with other people and loving other people and, right, being in community. 
and loving others and not just having this attribution error towards them. This plank and speck attitude towards other people. I, another email I got from a listener and I challenged him on um, you know, dealing with the serial relationships and short-term sexual trysts, right? And a lot of you are in that boat and dealing with some of that stuff. And I asked this guy, you know, first of all, you got a lot of you, you're going to have to deal with your sexual addiction first. But is there some fear in, in you of falling in love? Is there a fear in you of actually being intimate with another person? There's a there's a strange thing that's being cloned here with the sexual experience. We're looking to to know and be inside someone and let someone inside us. Like do you can you know a woman like in her heart can you ask her can you build a relationship and maybe she'll trust you enough to tell you what what she's into what she likes you know her her the things she likes to build or the things that she likes to read or um the things that she may be afraid of can you love someone to get inside them like that before you know and make a commitment to them as a person before you get inside their body for uh, you know this sexual gratification that's all about yourself right love is that god gives us the bible because he wants us to know him the whole old testament all the scriptures in the old testament all point to jesus christ the whole bible is min miniature small stories there's subplots to the large story of jesus of god coming into his creation earth as the man jesus christ on a rescue mission for our hearts and our minds and our souls because of his undying and abounding love for us how do you define love? And let me tell you something. Learning and knowing and building a relationship with Jesus Christ changes everything. It would change your heart. If you can get this religion chip off your shoulder, because that's not what it's about, again, and really examine this, this God of ours, this creator who built and created everything. I challenge you to read Luke, or read John, or read one of the Gospels. Because listen, when it comes to getting help, when it comes to understanding and fixing this tainted love, right? And, and listen, I'm not perfect, alright? It's, but it's pressing on towards the goal, alright? That's Philippians 3.14, that there is meaning. It's pressing on towards the purpose of our lives, the truth is that it's not a big mistake, that your life is not just this thing that doesn't matter, that there is purpose, there is reason, there is a plan for your life, and a plan for my life too. And, you know, if I'm pressing towards the goal, um, towards the upward call of God in Christ, I mean, that's in the Bible. The, if I'm running towards that goal, man, I'm still somewhere just beyond the, the starting line. I got a long way to go, man. I'm still working on my own attribution errors, my own internal heart-level reactions to things. But I'm going six years, right, from freedom from an addiction that I didn't think I could see myself free from. And the truth is, I didn't see myself free from it. God came in, changed my heart, 
and that took time and that took a process and it took changing my stubbornness my stubborn attitudes towards who he is I started to let my heart love let my heart trust let my heart understand what love really is because I'd been taught for so many years that you know 2 plus 2 is 17 you know I believe some pretty big atrocious horrific lies and I pray that you know you get into scripture that you'd pray that you'd have a notebook and that you'd write down some of those things that jump off the page at you that you would try and build this relationship with this God who loves you tremendously yeah you may have issues like with him like I did man, I was mad at him at times man I'd be freaking out sometimes but I pressed in and I asked my questions and I prayed and I submitted my heart to him because the facts of addiction are that you are submitting your heart to something your heart is going to find rest somewhere that's why we are addicted it's not that you need to go get a spiritual life you already have one I love you guys I'll leave you with another song by Johnny Cash and this truth by told um, episodes uh, again my email address is russ at asi247.org. Let me know how this stuff is hitting you. You know, take me on, man. If you if you want to get angry, get angry. That's good. It's good for you to engage. Don't feel like you're asking stupid questions. Not asking questions is what's stupid. It keeps you alone. keeps you in the dark. It keeps this attribution error going, right? Because you don't have to ask questions because you already have all the answers. What if you don't? What if the fact that you're addicted proves that you don't have all the answers? And I'll be honest, I don't have all the answers either. But I do, I do know this thing, this horrible monster. I was watching this movie, um, Battle Los Angeles, with my 16-year-old son last night about these aliens that come in and attack. And man, it, that is a lot like taking on this addiction. It is battle. It is war. And I know this enemy probably a little more than you do. I encourage you to seek help. I encourage you to seek a counselor. I encourage you to seek a competent pastor or psychiatrist when it comes to these issues. And again, I welcome your emails, russ at asi247.org. Right, this is not digital counseling. This podcast is here to encourage you, right? That's why I do what I do here, because I've been there. And I do know this enemy. I got lots of military folks that listen to the show. And uh, as far as this, this thing is concerned, I have served my time in the desert. I've been in that horrible, dry desert place. Drinking shot glasses of sand, thinking they're going to save me from the next day, the next hour, the next... The next thing that maybe will satisfy that thirst that was down inside my heart and soul. And just another shot glass of sand. I've been there, man. I do know this enemy and how it's attacked me over the years. And if there's anything I've learned in the battlefield, if there's anything I've learned helping, like, warring with other people against this thing, it's... It's not to spend the bulk of your energy on the symptoms. 
yes, you're going to need to push through temptation on a day-by-day basis for a season. But really, honestly, looking at the infection that's underneath the surface and looking at the roots that drive us, right? You are a soul. It's something that C.S. Lewis said that's stuck with me. That it's not that you have a soul, it's that you are a soul. Your first created soul with a body, right? Your soul possesses your body for a season, for a little while. This life don't last forever. Everybody dies. You hear guys like Charlie Sheen going, oh yeah, I have to die someday. Yeah, that kind of sucks. Yeah, it does. Because what are you invested in? Where does your gravity pull you towards? Don't believe this horrible lie that you're just some highly evolved creature that's living out some evolutionary pattern of random natural selection is just not true you are a soul with a body and the best things that you will possess are attitudes right we're all going towards something we're all focused and trying to lay hold of the next paycheck the next vacation the next chapter of life that will close um, but the truth is, the, the best, the most valuable things that we can possess are attitudes towards how we define love, realizing the roots of truth in our attitudes, realizing the glasses and lenses at that which we see others through. Realizing the grace that we've been giving, given and learning to give that back. The, the grace, the forgiveness that God rests on our souls. And adopting a new attitude towards how we see everyone else. It's developing a prayer life. And an attitude in that prayer life of connection of building a relationship with the lover of your soul and the creator of the universe. Because he is real. He does love you. He's not some angry father. He loves you. He loves me. He actually loves us. He delights in us. Be mind-blowing for a lot of us. It was for me that God loves me like that. That he's not disappointed and shaking his fist and angry, gonna take me out. The reason I felt cold towards God is because I ran from him. In his loving grace and mercy, he kept pursuing me. And I ran from him. That's why I felt cold. That's why I felt disconnected from him. I believe this lie that, oh, I'd done so much stuff wrong that God's just done with me. That's just simply not true. And believing that lie has us running from him and not to him. I pray that you understand these truths. 
the impact of believing those kind of lies is devastating and it does drive our gravity towards the future what we're going to be in orbit around right where our hearts are going to sync up with eventually because they will and we will place our hope and faith in something i just pray you realize the truth that jesus is real that God does love us that much to come in as a rescue mission into his own creation to help us, to love us, to save us. Realizing that we do put faith and hope in counterfeit saviors. God loves us more than we can imagine and fathom and he is jealous about the things that we put in his place. He's seeking us, he's pursuing us he does love us that much. That's true. All right, I'm going to close the show right there. Um, again, if you want to connect with your host. Um, again, if you friend me on Facebook, my Facebook link is on the website, ASI247.org. Just let me know that you listen to the show. Um, my Facebook page is just my personal page. It's just being friends, right? It's just doing life. Um, so... Again, it's not the sexual addiction Facebook page. So don't worry about that, all right? But let me know you're listening to the show. If you listen to the show, I consider you a friend. I don't take friend requests from people I don't know. So if you just, you know, you send a request and you don't tell me who you are, I ignore it. I have like 150 to 160 friends on Facebook right now, and I like it that way. I can keep track of some of the folks, right? That kind of thing. And again, I love you guys, and... Uh, I'm gonna, I, I feel I feel the pull to close this episode in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to speak into the lives of folks, even though I've got a long way to run on this, this journey still, that people would see freedom from this behavior, this thing that, that they may be captive in. Lord, I, I pray that they would run to you, that they would seek help from you, they would understand that it's you that gives the power. I, w I pray that they would see that you are the ultimate and only true higher power. I pray that they would understand that, God, that you love them. No matter what they've done, that you love them that they can turn their ears to you, that they can turn their hearts to you, and you're not there with this condemning spirit. I mean, that's in the Bible. You say that to us in your scripture, that those who are in Christ are not condemned, that you are the ultimate physician, that you put the rules out, not as a do this and then I'll love you. You put the rules out because you love us and you want good for us the ultimate loving physician and loving you is simply you put out these commandments and said you want to love me follow the commandments start to run the race get on the track I pray that they would understand that you're not this horrible abusive teacher or father or principal head figure that they may have in their minds but they would see that you are the loving God and creator of the universe. You're not a condescending God, but a loving, slow to anger God who is abounding in steadfast love and grace and mercy 
In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen. I love you guys. God bless you guys. And remember, we're all traveling further on up the road. This is Johnny Cash. Bye. Now I've been out in the desert Just doing my time Searching through the dust Looking for a sign If there's a light up ahead Well, brother, I don't know But I got this fever burning in my soul Further on up the road 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 One sunny morning We'll rise, I know And I'll meet you further on Up the road